Welcome everyone, my name is Blair Cook and today I am very excited to have with me Maria Paulieri. Welcome Maria. Thank you. Maria is a Product Strategy Director at Oracle Corporation. She manages a customer to product roadmap and overall insight into technology rich feature enhancements that make Oracle's PeopleSoft project centric applications more intuitive, easy and powerful. Her experience includes 12 years with Oracle in various capacities, 11 years of ERP implementation experience, including global exposure, two years as an assistant controller with Movado Watch Company, and seven years as an auditor with PwC. Maria is a CPA, CA, a PMP, and a CITP. She is a frequent writer and speaker on finance technology transformation, and here with us today to talk about cloud computing. So after listening to this podcast, you should be comfortable with discussing both the strategic and practical considerations for adopting cloud computing throughout your organization. So welcome once again, Maria. Thank you, Blair. Let's start our conversation just by bringing everybody up to speed. Cloud computing's been around for a number of years now, but perhaps uh, some of us have not been integrally part of that conversation. Perhaps just give us an overview of what cloud computing is. Sure, sure. That's a great place to start. So the cloud uh, is a term that has taken on new meaning within the last decade. It really represents a place or a home for data storage and computing power. So when you hear someone say your data is in the cloud, that is a very simple way of saying your data is secured and stored within a complex network of servers that are accessed through the internet instead of on a local computer. Those servers run a variety of software and services as part of a shared pool of computing power. So depending on your computing power needs, the shared pool can evaluate and apply the right amount of resources and more importantly, the network of servers can store, find and deliver your data instantaneously. And all of this is handled behind the scenes. So in simple terms, can you think of uh, an analogy that would help us explain what this, this cloud is? Is it, a, is it like this fuzzy thing in the cloud that keeps our data or sucks up our data? Is it a black box? Or? Sure, sure. That's a good question. Uh, so a simple explanation or uh, an example, you can think of a utility such as maybe water or electricity. Think about the processing and the consumption. So we tap into water and electricity networks. There are economic and quality advantages to tapping into these utilities. In the IT world, we can now get your information from a data utility. The data utility hides the complexities to the end user and data is generated and delivered through a simple network. Much like how hot water is delivered through a simple faucet, your data is now delivered through a smartphone or a web browser. So that's great. Uh, that's a great explanation of uh, how the cloud actually works. So let's begin by talking a little bit more about the, the benefits and the challenges and, and what does the cloud mean for an organization? Sure. So let's start with um, the benefits for a corporate audience. And let's begin the conversation by talking about your personal computer. So occasionally you might have an issue with memory or sluggish computing power, and it's really up to you to troubleshoot or diagnose what needs to be fixed. It's time consuming and sometimes very expensive too. Now, think about a corporation. On a much larger scale, they could have hundreds of computers that need to be serviced. They staff an entire IT department to handle computing power 
and data storage or network issues. This can be exponentially more expensive. The cost of infrastructure, hardware, software, and IT resources can be a major hit to operating and capital budgets. So how do we actually move to the cloud? How does that work for corporations? Sure. If the corporation moves its technology to the cloud, really with rapid implementation and minimal management effort, they could transform their operation into this efficient business model. The cloud will enable them to achieve significant IT cost savings, to increase productivity, to relocate resources effectively, and to uptake innovations for future strategic growth. So let's just talk specifically about the advantages of the cloud in the finance department. Can you talk about those for a few, few minutes? Sure. Yeah, we're beginning to see a real finance transformation. And, and part of that is because there are more sophisticated solutions available to enable the finance organization to take reins and drive change. So let's take a little bit of a step back. I'm sure many of you or most of you can relate to a classic finance organization where countless hours are spent compiling and reconciling data for manual spreadsheets and reports. The closed process could be lengthy due to system limitations and manual dependencies. So now imagine a shift, if you will, to a modern finance organization where you can complete the data collection and reconciliation process on day one. Day one. Do you actually have clients that have a one-day close? We do. We do. We that have many. That is terrific. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the value of that is meaningful analytics and interactive strategic decision-making can begin right away. Subsequent changes or adjusting entries are immediately pushed through to the reporting and real-time data is available with the click of a button. This agile environment positions the modern finance organization to easily respond to market conditions with some strategic guidance. So let's just make this really practical to individuals who are listening to this, this interview. How does the cloud impact people? And maybe let's look at this from maybe say individual roles perhaps starting with the financial analyst. Yeah, that sounds great. So I'll do this in role. So I'm a financial analyst. My responsibilities could be consistent with the expectations of peers in the same role at most companies, I hope. So here's what I do. I prepare monthly, quarterly, and annual management reports to assist with the financial close. I analyze current and past financial data and identify trends in financial performance and then finally, I coordinate with other members of the finance team, but I do not have much visibility or exposure to the overall process as it extends outside of my functional area. Yeah, it sounds familiar to probably a lot of financial analysts. Yeah, so you can uh, assume that I spend the majority of my time gathering and reconciling data and compiling manual spreadsheets. Ouch, that feels painful. <laughs> yeah, I spend very little time analyzing the data because truth be told, it takes me so long to pull everything together and I'm working against a deadline to deliver it. My manager expects a perfect package with all the answer. He or she doesn't understand that I'm relying on other areas to give me the data. If they are delayed in giving it to me, then my timeline gets crunched. Right, so what I really want as a financial analyst, I wish we could have a smooth close where the general ledger consolidation and the data warehouse merge from third-party data and it doesn't bomb out. Yeah, so in, in this kind of environment, what you'll often see is it not only takes hours, sometimes it could take days to answer simple questions. Sure, sure. 
So maybe let's take a look at another role. How does this, what are the, some of the challenges that say the controller feel and, and how does the cloud computer impact this role? Okay, so I take off my financial analyst hat and I put on my controller hat. So in addition to being a managerial lead and a key stakeholder amongst my peers in audit and tax, some of my general responsibilities include to ensure regulatory and accounting standard compliance. I need to ensure that data aggregation and reporting happens on a timely basis. And I need to ensure near-term and long-term cash flows are sufficient in today's volatile and credit-sensitive environment. So as a controller, I'm constantly pushing my staff to deliver more with limited resources. And in order to meet our tight deadlines, frequently we could potentially work long hours. My team is pressured to close the books faster, which is almost impossible given the immense effort to consolidate and reconcile across different systems. I have many versions of the same report and the numbers are different on each one. So how am I supposed to make decisions with data that may not be completely accurate? Yeah, so this is probably familiar to a lot of controllers as well. So this is the, the status quo, I guess, at this point. So how do these people working two different positions in finance, how do we start integrating how the cloud would work differently for them? Sure, sure. So just to recap then, yeah, so a bit of a stressful environment that I painted uh, for both, from both the perspective of the financial analyst and the controller. So let's imagine how their professional and their personal lives would be different if they were operating within a sophisticated ERP system in the cloud. So here are some of the things that I think they would benefit from. First is better visibility into a collaborative closed process. So there'd be a lot more sharing of information and there would be reduced latency. With multi-dimensional reporting and analysis that incorporates the data from one combined source, they're able to slice and dice and get the right information at the right time. And then finally, my favorite, with real-time access to general ledger and drill-down capabilities to the transaction-level detail. So I've got one single source of truth. And then finally, where there's a lot of emphasis in the technology space right now is data visualization. And with data visualization, uh, reporting packages that run uh, can run with the touch of a button. So having a system such as this can literally shave days, if not weeks, off your monthly close process. That, that, and that really is the, the true benefit of having these kind of solutions in place. Uh, let's just look at some of those those benefits you just discussed and maybe drill into them a little bit more so that we can really appreciate the true power of, of the cloud computing. So the first one I think you mentioned, you talked about the collaborative closed process and what are some of the, the features that a cloud would enable over, say, our, what our traditional financial systems allow? Sure. So a couple ways to approach this challenge or this solution. And the first is to really make the end-to-end -end process streamlined the application needs to be put into the hands of the layperson in addition to the finance organization. And so in that scenario, the user experience is really key. So the application needs to be intuitively easy to use if you're going to be able to allow for a collaborative environment to work. So there are many social media standard and norms that are available out there that people are familiar with today. So we've embedded social media and the collaborative features that are consistent across those within our uh, financial solution as well. So we've got alerts and notifications that you may be familiar with uh, leveraging some of these, uh, these social media platforms. So to be able to intuitively uh, 
put the application into other people's hands and just have them uh, collaborate with you without any training or ramp up really streamlines that, that so whole people can ask questions of other users or embed review exactly. notes right into the files themselves rather than sending emails around. Yep, yep. It, it's built right into the system? It is, it is. The audit trail is there as well and you can add as many interested parties. We have documentation, uh, like attachment capabilities and it's all and this presumably works like across geographic regions as well in countries like so you could have an operation in North America and another one in Europe and they could all be using the embedded uh, collaboration features. Exactly, exactly. And those collaborative features, uh, not only are they available on a global platform and accessible with a simple browser or smartphone, but they're also attached to business processes. So you can read a discussion thread that's attached to a journal entry, or you can open up an attachment that is specific to one cell in a consolidated financial statement, and then you know, you've got that whole social and collaborative thread that can be tucked away into all of these different areas of the finance Yeah, as opposed process. to, you know, going through, swinging through a long chain of emails exactly. trying to find the answers. Exactly. Yeah. You also mentioned multidimensional reporting. Could you just talk about what is multidimensional reporting? Sure, sure. So this one is quite closely tied to the design of the chart of accounts. So what we find is that a lot of companies take the opportunity to revisit their chart of account structure, which potentially could be very linear. You know, account department may be a common chart of account structure. So this is the opportunity to expand the code block into as many dimensions as you require. So I think of, you know, large diversified corporations that have products, they have departments, they have categories, they have offices and various different aggregated components of their org structure hierarchy. So the ability to build all of that out when you're capturing data benefits in the long run because you're able to slice and dice with multi-dimensional reporting once that code block is built out. So it's really quite powerful. And it all really stems from the fact that data can be captured at that granular level of detail across those different dimensions. And really, without creating long GL codes that you know traditional systems would have had, where you had you know 15 digits in an account code. Right, right. So we have the ability to build combination rules that are particular to certain entities. So if you're running, let's say, the petroleum division of an organization, you may be interested in, I don't know, let's say product and account. If you're running a charitable wing of a large multinational organization, you may be interested in program and department. And so we've got the ability to build business rules around both the visibility and the applicability of all of those without exposing that big, long, ugly chart field string. That, and I think the last point, this kind of ties into that, because the last point you made was around real-time access to the, the general ledger data, the drill-down capabilities, the data visualization uh, that comes with uh, cloud computing. And, and how is that get enabled? Like, does it, for me, I, the way I think of that, or the way I interpret it in my mind, are we now putting the power of uh, information into users who are not necessarily financial? Right. So the, the key benefit to having this real-time access is that we're able to leverage these technologies that in the past have been disparate. And as such, to me, the word disparity means latency. So there's disconnect as it relates to many things. It could be security, it could be timing, there could be a whole bunch of different issues that uh, surface when you're pulling apart a GL function 
from uh, a warehouse function. And so with real-time access to the GL, you've eliminated the disparity and the latency. So everybody is looking at the same thing and it's constantly up to date. So when a journal entry is posted, that cube that is leveraged for drill down capabilities is automatically updated. So everybody is working off of the same page, which is great. And it can be integrated into a mobile application or executive dashboard that allows users to directly impact with the information no matter where they are. That's exactly. the advantage of the cloud. You don't necessarily have to be at the office you, or log in through a virtual portal. Right. You just tap into your, your mobile device and interact with the data. Yep. Yeah, I mean, think about the lead time required into an executive presentation or a board presentation. You know, you would never even consider posting a journal entry 10 minutes before a board presentation. But if that board is walking into a room with a bunch of iPads sitting there instead of printouts, then those journal entries would post right up to the time they walked into the room. The dashboards would dynamically build on the fly and the the latest and greatest information would be available to them. That sounds fantastic. So there's got to be some challenges that we have when we think about cloud computing. What are, the, what are the challenges that you hear from your clients around cloud computing? Sure, sure. So I'm going to answer this one first from maybe a somewhat of a personal perspective. So I'm a seasoned financial professional and on occasion I've relied on gut feel or instinct to make business decisions in lieu of fast access to accurate and internal data. Subsequently, this can delay decision-making, introduce errors, and erode profitability. So we're experiencing right now a technology generation where the rate of change exceeds our ability to respond. Regulations, competition, and innovation are creating a performance gap with respect to the corporation's infrastructure, its business processes, and its resources. So bridging this performance gap may seem like a tall order, but very much achievable in the cloud. No kidding. Yeah, so certainly this issue of, of speeding up the need for uh, information, I mean, in a Twitter-based world where uh, everybody gets information instantaneously, it's putting a tremendous amount of pressure on, on the uh, finance function. So how is... Uh, the cloud and the challenges of the finance function addressing that? Well, right now, it's, it is definitely a challenge, right? Con corporations have not been able to consume the innovation that is available to them. So I'll give you an example. Let's say your corporation is running a classic or on-premise accounting solution. The software vendor begins on the development of a new release. The time from development to release could span 12 to 18 months. Wow. In the meantime, perhaps, Patches may be made available, but even the smaller patches could require a project team to test and implement. So the corporation just plain decides to wait, and then two years could go by before an upgrade is worked into the project management lifecycle. So what that means is project teams are assembled, timelines are decided, your project timeline might even be delayed because of a year-end close. Frankly, no time is a good time for a major upgrade. And of course, in the back of everyone's mind, you're plagued with the uncertainty and the up that, you know, is the upgrade compatible with all of the customizations that you've done over the years. And so, so how does that change when we flip over to the cloud world? A lot of those headaches go away. Um, change management is seamless with frequent optional updates. You can consider them like patches throughout the year and one or two upgrades a year. But before you get nervous about that, let me explain. 
The upgrade is handled in the cloud for optimal deployment. The data is secure and in a, test, a test environment is provided for you. You choose whether you want to implement or update or skip it. When it's time for an upgrade, a cloud team works with you to determine the appropriate timeline. And just like that, you are innovating to scale and keeping up with the pace of change. Okay, so let's get that. Uh, this, this really sounds good, but there's got to be some risks associated with the, uh, the cloud, real or perceived. And maybe you can just highlight what those are so we can respond to those when, when asked. Sure, sure. So really the question uh, boils down to, you know, do you feel comfortable putting all of your data and processing power in the cloud? Is it secure? Um, technology organizations own and innovate every layer of its technology stack the physical hardware, the database, the middleware, and the application. That's what they call a stack, how, yep. that, how that works, the hardware, the databases, and then the, the applications on top, okay. Yep, middleware is base software, and then the applications sit on top of that, uh, that middleware platform. So the cloud solution is designed with performance in mind. Full tenant isolation keeps your data separate from other clients' data, leaving you with all of the computing power and the flexibility that you need. Compliance and security is of the utmost of importance, and access to the data is strictly controlled within your own database. So you feel very comfortable that any of the, the providers out there that take data, because I think that's probably one of the biggest concerns that financial executives would have is around the security of their data. Yeah, I think what's key is, you know, when you're evaluating the cloud solutions, don't feel intimidated by going into this level of depth around security. You know, you have to really be clear and articulate exactly what your challenges are. And you will likely be very pleasantly surprised at how much innovation has gone on to, to really make you feel comfortable with the security that is in place today and the, uh, the, the security roadmap going forward as is well. There a, is there a certificate or some other, something else that you should be asking of your providers to give you that degree of comfort around the security of data? There is, there is. Maybe now is a good time to switch to our discussion about the external auditors because they sure. do provide that certification with some of these data service providers. So um, so the, the external auditors on behalf of the cloud service providers exactly. will provide you with the comfort that the data is secure. Exactly, exactly. Okay. It's an additional report that uh, they now need to publish. And so that's certainly, is that something that all providers would have, or that's something you're looking for in selecting a provider, is to get that, that certification? To get that certification, correct. Exactly. Okay. And uh, just getting back to one more issue, like uh, for a Canadian company, uh, and a lot of these companies, uh, Oracle and others, are U.S.-based, is there issues with storing data cross-border? I hear that issue come up quite often. Yeah, some. It depends on the industry. It depends on many different factors. It could be legislative or statutorily driven, like China, for example, will only allow their applications to be housed within that country. So there are some industries where that is not the case. I mean, Canada is much more global than, than most geographical areas, but we do have data centers uh, and that is a factor for consideration is, you know, do some of these large service providers provide data centers that are natively available in a particular so country? So if I'm in, say, the public sector, they'd right. obviously be sensitive exactly. to having their that data is, stored in another country. Yeah. So for our public sector customers, that is a key requirement that they have to keep their data within in the country, the Canadian data center. Yeah. Okay. Very good. 
So we were talking about the external auditors and the reports that they provide. And again, your auditors of your company would just be able to rely uh, on those uh, reports that are provided? Exactly, exactly. So let's talk about maybe some of the benefits um, and the challenges when dealing with the external auditors and sharing data via the cloud. So starting with the challenges, you know, that, that conversation typically starts with a conversation around controls. Right, so how do we audit in the cloud? Well, cloud computing offers advanced opportunities uh, for corporations. However, the new technology could introduce risks that have implications on the effectiveness of those internal controls. The good news is a cloud computing provider must be audited on their own effectiveness of controls. The results of these audits are communicated through what is called a Service Organization Control Report, or a SOC report. And there's two of them. SOC 1 is a report that covers controls for financial statement reporting. And SOC 2 report covers controls for data security, data integrity, systems availability, and confidentiality. The auditor may choose to rely on these reports to determine overall system controls from a cloud perspective. So as for the audit of financial data within an ERP system, Oracle, for example,'s financial footprint is designed with controls in mind. Securities are set at the user level, and in addition, workflows and limits can be designed to ensure the proper transaction approvals are obtained. And changes in the system are recorded by a user, and there's full date time stamping and storing uh, of these metadata updates. And this would be the same for an on-premise deployment, would it not? Or? Uh, to a certain extent, But it's yep. more enhanced in a cloud it, it environment? Is. and okay. it's more readily available, and the auditing is more readily available as well. Okay. So let's just talk a little bit about how, like, the, the cloud solutions, how would you strategically implement? If we wanted to go from our on-premise deployment of our financial system or if we had an ERP system that we've had in place for, say, a decade or more, how would we transition over or think about transitioning over to the cloud? Is this a, a large undertaking? I guess my first thought that I'd probably share on this podcast is that it's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all. So there are some organizations that are comfortable kind of a crawl and then walk and run approach. And so what that typically looks like is a hybrid solution of a combination of on-premise solutions that could be sourced from either custom applications, they could be sourced from uh, vendor solutions that you know you've had in place for a long time that are housed in your in your IT infrastructure and then the slow introduction of some cloud applications and so in that scenario or in that rollout strategy what you need is a platform solution that allows for seamless integration between what we call the ground and the cloud back to the ground back up to the cloud so there are a lot of platform solutions out there that basically allow for that seamless integration to happen. Okay. So another advantage, could you just speak to the integration capabilities of these cloud applications? Are they friendly to other applications? So what makes them compatible with each other is the openness with which they are all leveraging the technology stack. So because we're, you know, we're constantly involving in the high-tech industry or in just technology in general, what has proliferated are open standards, right? So there are certain 
programming languages that are pervasively used in all of the cloud application solutions, whether you custom build them or whether you go from vendor to vendor, they all leverage basic building blocks. And the kids are studying these newer technologies in school and the technologies themselves are not necessarily code related. So becoming a programmer in today's day and age is not about learning programming. It's about leveraging these open standards-based technologies to allow for the integration because the basic backbone of these technologies is that they're all open and they all communicate with each other. So it's very easy to integrate cloud applications with other cloud applications because the underlying technologies are all being consistently adopted. It would be like leveraging, let's say, with a smartphone, all of the applications, all of the apps that you run are all built upon a particular operating system, whether it's Android, in the case of the Google platform, or in the case of the iOS platform with Apple. So the applications themselves all have certain fundamental pieces that allow for that compatibility to happen. And when we contract in the cloud for these applications, the business model, you mentioned earlier, it's a subscription business model versus a licensing business model. Could you kind of just compare and contrast the two business models when we move from on-premise to the cloud? So with on-premise applications, you license software which means that you own it. You own it in in perpetuity. So if you bought a GL back in the 1980s, that GL is yours, and that software to run your general ledger is yours. Typically what happens with on-premise or licensed solutions is that you pay an annual maintenance for support and for subsequent upgrades. So even though there's an initial outlay to license the application that you own, there's ongoing maintenance that needs to be paid in order for you to have access to the support. So you can choose at some point to not pay that maintenance, then the payment stream would stop, but you would be unsupported, but the application is yours. So that's a license model. A subscription model, and the acronym for a subscription model where you actually rent software is software as a service, or SaaS or SaaS. So in a SaaS model, you're renting the use of an application and you pay a monthly rental. So the data is stored on uh, servers that sit in these data centers that could be anywhere around the world and you're renting the ability to leverage the applications. And then part and parcel with that is you have access with that rental to the latest and greatest which is handled for you so that you're always your applications are always up to date. Yeah, and so there's a different mix of costs in terms when you're going to the cloud versus an on-premise solution that you've got to consider when you're doing the business case for yep. building it. Yep, very classic. Yeah, CapEx versus OpEx conversation is a normal one to be had around that. Let's wrap with up with one final question, which is really how should financial leaders and, and, and charter professional accountants stay abreast of all this change that's going on in, in technology? Yeah, there's just so much content out there, but I would say definitely leverage the publications from the accounting profession, from CPA Canada. There are a lot of individuals within the profession that have a technology focus, so there are a lot of publications that keep these emerging technologies visible to you by way of you know the online content. 
the monthly publications, the training courses, and then the technology vendors themselves. Right? So if, if you're comfortable and you've got a good working relationship with your technology service providers, staying abreast of what they have in, as far as press releases and attending their conferences as well. Those, you know, those are the two probably best places to go. And of course, listening to interviews like this one. Maria, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Excellent.